up only. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Up only. Hello and welcome to Up Only TV. I'm Ledger. We got Kobe on the way and we got Doug Polk with us today. We're excited to talk to him about his crypto journey, poker, everything in between. We'll have fun. Before we get to it, uh, let's talk about our partner for this episode. It is uh, Blockfolio? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe FTX? We don't know. Uh, you can go to uponly.tv slash FTX and it will provide a 404 error because I just realized I forgot to do the redirect. So just go to uponly.tv slash Blockfolio and it'll forward you. Uh yeah, we haven't figured this part out yet, but don't worry. We'll make it. It'll be fine. They're locked in, baby. It's a contract. So uh, off we go. Thank you to FTX for being our partner on Up Only TV. Let's get to the show. Kobe, that went that uh, pretty was, well, right? That was a phenomenal advertisement. I would be uh, shocked if they don't just rip that straight for TV. <laughs> I think it's ready for a Super Bowl. <laughs> for, that was... Phenomenal work. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I, money uh, money well spent on their part, for sure. I worked real hard on that. <laughs> you know what? Ever since we started doing this thing, which has been like five months ago, I do keep <laughs> questioning, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> like, like, surely they watch it. Maybe they just don't watch. Maybe they don't bother watching. <laughs> they have so many different things going on, right? The other uh, day, I, yeah. I, I turned on some baseball, which doesn't happen very often. And the umpire just had FTX on his uniform. And I, well, that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. All the, the All umpires the in baseball, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw yeah. somebody saying, like, why did y'all sponsor umpires? Nobody likes umpires. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think of it that way. But that's actually a good point. They are in every shot, though. Like, they're right there behind the catcher. So it's. I think Surely it was, they didn't sponsor umpires. It's like a general sponsor. They didn't select umpires only. I think, they sp- I think it's umpires only. And it's like, <laughs> no. it's, on, it's also on some of the billboards and stuff. But it's the first ever MLB, like, any type of uniform sponsor. So it's like the gateway drug to you know, sponsor logos on player uniforms, which I can't imagine how pissed the MLB will be about that, like about that once it actually happens. I hope hope the umps are getting a cut. Uh, They deserve deserve it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So already in chat, Doug, we've got people spamming questions at you. Do you still make YouTube videos? Someone used to live those in uh, 1718. I occasionally make YouTube videos. I've kind of taken a step back from the full-time grind. I'm sure you know how demanding content can be and the amount of time and effort that it can take. Yeah, and but you do other stuff with your life, don't you? I just sit in this chair. Sure, but that's that's a serious commitment, right? It's a lot of hours. Someone has to sit there, has to be you. Somebody's yeah. got to do it. So basically, I got to this point where I used to do a video every day. And I just started to get a little bit too burnt out and I wanted to focus on some other things. And then I'm kind of at a place now where I, I, I went through a phase where I thought, you know, I'm not going to do these anymore. And now I'm at a place where I just want to make them every now and then when I want to, especially if I can bash some, some scammers. That, those are my favorites. Dunking on idiots is just like the best form of content. Uh, <laughs> so when I get that chance, I'll, I'll definitely go for it. But 
other than that, I'm going to just kind of pick my battles. I do have a podcast now. I have to at least mention that. It's called the Doug Polk Podcast. And I'm going to have some different uh, crypto guests on before. Actually, I had some legitimate guests on when I did it a few years back. Um, Charlie Lee came on. Um, Fluffy Pony came on. Uh, came on. A few other great guests. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy making content. I like interacting with the audience. But I'm not all about just just kind of slaving away for the, the views every day. You got to find a balance. Yeah, I do think I, I do think that's right. And like, I know a bunch of YouTubers, and we had you know KSI and Calix come on a, on the stream ages ago, and their entire career. I mean, KSI perhaps not because he like boxes and makes music and shit, and just had the number one album. But um, and Calix has just started his own like shoe brand. But for a long while, their entire career was YouTube, and I think it would in some ways be very freeing like your job is to make content which is awesome and in some ways feel a bit like a prison because you do get that like i really don't want to just try and do something for the views and you have to if it's your job like you have to keep like that career going um but uh fluffy ponies a g so yeah check out um your uh uh i'll check out your podcast um do you talk more crypto poker or is it just like life before I did exclusively crypto, and then I just felt it wasn't honest of kind of who I am. Um, I've been in the space for a while. I've been fortunate to kind of be on this journey, but I, I don't try and petition myself as I'm the expert. Listen to me. And I felt I felt a little bit like it was getting like that, and I didn't sort of want that role. And, and then also, of course, I had most of my audiences from poker, so I like to do a little bit of poker. Some, some crypto stuff. Uh, I'm down for general gambling things. I'm, I'm going to kind of, you know, for example, I, I wouldn't, I, I would love to get someone like, uh, I'm really into StarCraft. I don't know if you guys follow StarCraft at all, but some of the StarCraft guys on would be great. Or I, I just want to talk about things I'm interested in. And so it's a podcast about degeneracy. It sounds like it's yeah. a podcast about addiction. <laughs> addiction, yeah. yeah. We're actually going to have our, our first AA meeting next week. Um, <laughs> oh, this is awkward. You're drinking. Oh, shit. I should. <laughs> yeah, well, I did actually do uh, a year and a bit sober, and then the pandemic happened, and I was like, yeah, good a time as any to begin drinking again, sat home alone. <laughs> drinking is drinking is is tough because I find it's really hard to find that nice middle ground. It's easy to be sober once you're in the sober streets. Once you've been sober for weeks, you just kind of start to stop thinking about it. Uh, and then it's easy to drink every day when you're drinking every day. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so it's, it, it's hard to just have. Oh yeah, a few nights a week I have a few. That that's it's, it, it's kind of what I what I hope to get to. But uh, I'm on a <laughs> bit of a sober kick myself lately. We we need to transition to fit only for a second because uh, Kobe's been working out for a few weeks, getting off you know pandemic bod. Um, and then Primo, who was on the poker th- stream with us earlier, me and him are doing a, a bet, uh, a pool for who fails first, uh, trying to get 10% of our body weight out. Uh, we got oh, okay. a decent chunk of money on the line there. But um, what's like, your what's your? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say re- regarding drinking, I'm totally like the one beer a day type of person where like it just hits right at the end of the day, put the kids down or after dinner or something like that, and have. A but beer. you do drink every day. Yeah, like I can, I, I prefer to have one beer per day. Like I, I do like that, but I, I can only have one. It's I'm not like a. What happens? What happens if you, if you don't have one? Do you feel urges and cravings? A slight craving, a slight craving. <laughs> but it's so, not like the alcohol. It's the it's the taste. And actually, uh, my wife picked up some like kombucha, and it's actually a decent like kind of 
half replacement for like drinking a sour beer or something like that you know you're having a mocktail basically yeah I'm, <laughs> i've moved on to mocktails they're 40 calories a piece so that's my uh that's my weight loss goal is have k- so, kombucha in the afternoon think of it like this what's your favorite beer uh i like sours so um okay so more, a little more caloric right yeah they're pretty heavy beers yeah either sour all right let's like call it that kind of stuff let's call it 150 calories per beer let's say you have one a day yeah so you, so after a hundred days, you've had fifteen thousand calories, and you had forty five thousand after three hundred. You've had about fifty three thousand calories a year. There's thirty five hundred calories in a pound. So you're going to have put on about sixteen or seventeen pounds in a year from just that one beer a day, unless you're working it off. And then if you work it off, now you just didn't lose seventeen pounds. Right, so you can just think about it as a seventeen pound habit. <laughs> yeah, Look, can I we get I someone? Can we get someone to check that math? Pounds. I think I felt. We need someone to check that math. Check the math in the chat. I want to know if it was. Uh, I want to know if the math was correct. Because if the math was correct, I'm impressed. If the math was bad, then we need to call you out for it. I but, mean, uh, <laughs> he's a professional poker player, crypto investor. I think his math probably it might be easy. fourteen pound. Maybe fourteen pounds. <laughs> Whatever. It's in that range. So, um, when was it that you got into crypto? When was your first like sort of foray into um, this uh, scam industry? Well, I first got involved, I believe it was either late 2012 or early 2013. I I got into it really kind of by accident. There was two different reasons I got involved. The first was that when you're a poker player, banks suck. And being able to have your money is pretty useful for games where you need money to play. I mean, it's important in general, but it's especially important when your career relies on it. So that was the first reason. But the second and frankly more important reason was, uh, do you remember all of the, the old school dice sites, Just Dice? Um, Satoshi Satoshi all dice. Yeah. yeah, so when I first found Just Dice, I, I thought this is this is too good to be true. And by the way, no smart contracts there. If the guy bolts, you lose your money, right? <laughs> uh, but his name was Douglas. I think it seems legit. Uh, but anyway, so so I, I was involved in that in terms of just like being part of the house bankroll and uh, then all the offshoot sites and and, help, and just was part of a bunch of those bankrolls. Um, so that's kind of how I first got involved. And then as I was essentially just trying to make Bitcoin, the price started going up and I thought, oh, that's interesting. It wasn't, I, I like the concept too, you know, the tech, the, the peer-to-peer, it was pretty nice. Don't know who Satoshi is, seems legit. But then also the asset appreciation element started to make a lot of sense to me. There's only going to be a certain amount of these as long as demand increases, blah, blah, blah. Don't need to go down that road. But anyway, the point is that, that I kind of stumbled my way into that. So it was, uh, it was fortunate. But a lot of online yeah. poker players, especially though, right? Their banking stuff got cut off, so they were basically forced into other ways to onboard into uh, poker sites, right? Well, it was kind of weird because the sites themselves didn't really start accepting Bitcoin as a deposit until kind of recently, and even then, a lot of them still don't. But the, what you would do is you would have Bitcoin, and then you would message a chat, and then say, "It's a hey, I need stars. I have Bitcoin. Can someone send me poker stars?" And then you trade. So it essentially just allowed you to very easily transact people from around the world, which is really important in poker and has a lot of utility. Um, so that it basically it acted as a medium of exchange for people across different countries. I thought when people were doing the marketing campaign about banking the unbanked, they were talking about people that are pushed out of the banking system uh, for like from prejudice or a level of uh, poverty or something or uh, countries with like where the technology was too expensive or some shit. I didn't realize it was just on about poker players. <laughs> like, bank yeah, the unbanked I- was just loads of poker players. 
And and banks will come after you. Actually, I think six or seven years ago, I had an incident at Bank of America where they sent out this promo and it said, if you deposit into our brokerages with a minimum of, let's just say it was 150000 I don't know what it was, then we'll give you a $2,000 bonus. So I thought, oh, I can just have some stocks or some market funds I would normally have on Vanguard on Bank of America and just pocket a free 2K. But that's how they get you because I deposited the money. And then they immediately shut down all of my accounts. And, and, and the thing is, they don't have to tell you why, right? It's just that's so I went to the bank and uh, it had this weird error on my account. It said minus eight, 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 you know, just a bunch of eights. And I had eight hundred thousand dollars in there oh, when it got shut down. And I told the bank teller and they said, no, no, sir, that's an, you didn't have eight hundred thousand dollars. It's an error. It says eight, 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 eight. That's that's the error notice. I said, no. I had $800,000 in here, uh, you know, like I'm some idiot that didn't realize the amount of money I had in my own account, right? It's unbelievable. Anyway, so uh, a month or two went by and they sent me my money. But in the, in the meantime, I was moving money around and obviously that sucked. I had to deal with this shit from the bank. So still banned from Bank of America. Thankfully, no one else has banned me yet. And, and now I have a bunch of different banks. So if, if shit goes down, I'm ready. But yeah, I mean, you just, have, you just have to deal with shit like that with banks. And and, and that kind of sucks. I will say one thing that I dislike about Bitcoin today compared to back then, a big thing that the community would talk about is, you know, banks are scams, man. They charge you $25 to wire your money. It's all a scam, bro. And then Bitcoin transfer fees just spike hard and it's 15, 20, 15, 25 bucks to send money. And no, no, man, it's about peer-to-peer cash. It's, it's store, <laughs> store value. It's, this, is, this is digital gold. What, yeah, what happened? I like that. And also at the time when Bitcoin um, uh, fees spiked, the Ethereum community was like, there is no way that this can be a serious like ne- a serious peer-to-peer network with fees over $5. And then when the ETH, <laughs> ETH one spiked, it was like, yeah, it's because we're pay- paying loads of fees is bullish because people are willing to pay <laughs> so yeah. much to transact. It's almost like yeah. people just consistently talk their book or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, 2017 when the when Roger Ver or whoever it was uh, was spamming the crap out of the network, Bitcoin normal transfer fees got pretty high, didn't they? Like a couple hundred bucks or something just for a normal transaction. Um, the other thing about Bitcoin when like transactions is, God, the, those block times can be incredibly long. So you're waiting for however many confirmations, and it's like an hour before your money gets there. Um, yeah. That that used to never bother me because it was the only thing I knew, right? And, like, um, in the UK, if you send a relatively large transaction, then it probably takes ages because you go through a whole, like, uh, like financial crime flow in the background. Um, so that can take a while. If you send a small transaction in the UK, it's pretty fast. But Bitcoin transactions, are always like you send it and then you do something. And by the time you've done something... Afterwards, it'll probably have turned up there. I never really bothered about that. And then now, today, I'm like, if an Ethereum transaction takes like more than a minute, I'm like, this is fucking, I'm <laughs> furious. Why, why am I waiting? Um, so you gotta get it is, Binance has Smart changed Chain, a lot. Man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is that actually faster? Uh, yeah, it's know. definitely faster. I so, yeah. It's like four times faster, right? Four yeah. times is still not fast enough. Solana, Solana's now fast enough. And if you transact on Solana, you can afford to live in New York. So I don't know. I don't know that you could actually get the history of the Binance Smart Chain, uh, like itself. Like it's extremely hard to get a full history of BSC, um, which is going to be interesting with like ETH Layer Two as well. You know, you just have like 
an exponential increase in transactions because the speeds are so high, so much stuff going in every block. It's going to be insane. Like just syncing an ETH node is really hard, and a BSC like a developer I work with told me it's like you can't you can't get more than like a month back on BSC easily. It's pretty difficult. It's like it's been easy safe. It's been interesting learning about DeFi stuff for the last few months because I was busy with my challenge and I focused on that. And then after the end, that I started learning about DeFi in, in April, May. So I was late to the party, but you know, I still still dip my toes in and learn about things. Um, and just trying to understand what Binance Smart Chain is and, and how many networks this currency is going to be on. And how uh, if you send it from this one to this one, you lose your money. If you send it this one, <laughs> and, 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 and at points, I'm sitting there, don't fuck this up, Doug. Don't fuck this up. I'm, I'm looking at a chart. It says, don't do this. Don't do that. I, I don't know. It's, it's very confusing, you know. And, and uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that so many kind of normal people are able to figure this stuff out. How many people I I got, bought SafeMoon and Bridge to BSC? Like, how did they do that? I don't know. I can't do that. No. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, like, extremely difficult without a Binance account. Don't you think it's just because they're all Zoomers and, like, they've got this shit hooked into their veins? Because, like, I think, I think uh, when, like, we did, we had the interview with Teen Exec, and he just knows way, how to use the internet way better than I do. Um, he's, like, a professional, and I think that there's people who are, like, five, um, ten years younger than uh, us. They just, like, they just get the shit. It's second nature. It's not, like, it's not confusing to them. Um, and plus, you've got your handy crypto YouTubers, like The Moon Carl and BitBoy, who will just show you how to buy the top of this thing step by step. <laughs> like, just follow this video and you can buy the top. I was actually excited yesterday because Inverse Bra, my uh, primary news feed, um, said that BitBoy got banned on YouTube. Um, and then I Yeah, was, but it's a danger, dangerous right path, mate, isn't it? Dangerous yeah, path because like, we banned. can... <laughs> Yeah, well, you can cheer on. You can cheer on Bitboy getting banned because, like, we think his content's like net negative. But then they're just like censoring, like they're censoring some crypto stuff, and we're like, yay, they're censored this like person we don't like. And then two days later, it's like our account's gone, and we're like, yeah. surprised. Like, what Why the did fuck? This this <laughs> How could they do this to us? But we're not pumping, dumping, uh, you know, random shit coins. So. I don't know. Yeah, although when coins come on, it's normally the top, so you should be wary, dog. If your career goes downhill from here, you know, it's ledgers fall. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. Every time, every time a project comes on, it's um, or someone comes to talk their book, it's the exact top of the thesis. So, like, we had Light come on the other day, and he was super bearish, and he was bearish at the absolute bottom. It was it bottom ticked during the episode. We had like. Com Rocket and Solana and Scam all on, and they all just top ticked during the episode. Uh, um, Litecoin. Solana's is probably happy to be sandwiched in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was a great short entry. It's like this little, you know, complacency bounce. Anyway, um, the uh, and and Charlie Lee came on, and and it was like Litecoin that day broke its all time high for the first time since 2017, and then it just went down like 75. <laughs> percent <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Charlie Lee, Charlie Lee, I I think he, you could tell, at least I could tell when I talked to him a few years ago, I feel like the community response to his actions really weighed on him. And I think that's one thing that we can be thankful for with Bitcoin is that we don't really know who it is. I mean, you know, we we all kind of know it's Craig Wright, but um, (laughs) we don't really know who it is. So... So basically, that that weight doesn't have to be sort of 
carried by someone. And, and of course, obviously, I think I think Charlie selling all of his coins as the founder is a little bit ridiculous. Um, you know, or most of his coins or whatever he sold. Oh, that was all of them. Uh, Okay, yeah, all of them. It was them all. It was the whole okay. stack of the top. <laughs> market, top. market sell. <laughs> Dude, instantly down 15%. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is not very really cool. But I also think that he was trying to not... I think he, I do think he had good intentions. I, I, I get the vibe he did. He was just dealing with a lot of stuff from people and taking a lot of heat. And some people don't take heat well. Yeah. yeah, he also held for like 10 years or something, right? Or when when did he sell? 2017, 2018? So top of 2017. It was January 2018, wasn't it? Um, so he held for like seven or eight years, um, which is better than most like people do. If you're going to do a scam, you just sell it in six months, don't you? <laughs> like, yeah. You do it and run in disbelief. You don't hold for um, uh, so many years. And also, like, I like to uh, believe in free markets and that he's earned or, um, you know, he mined them and, and, and earned those coins himself. And after seven or eight years, if he wants to sell, he's freely allowed to sell. I think his mistake was announcing it. <laughs> yeah. He could have sold and like lived in peace. Down. Yeah, and like... I don't think it changed how much he wanted to contribute to Litecoin. Maybe it did. Uh, maybe he was like way less motivated without holding a stack or something. Um, and maybe it's not even the first time he sold before. Maybe he sold on the way up and stuff. But like, I like to believe that uh, he isn't obliged to hold forever and never realize profit from creating something, um, after, especially after almost a decade. But whatever. I like it. I like I like that take, but I, I have to say it's a little bit different when you sell the coins, but you're still trying to support it, right? If you sold all his yeah. coins and said, "Hey guys, fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> this is just this. It, this is not worth this. We're we're basically a test net. You guys, I don't know what's wrong with you. These should not be worth this. Basically, if you pulled a Jackson Palmer, I could okay, it's respectable. I understand, you know, I understand. But to say this is really good, guys. It's going places. I'm yeah, going to support yeah, yeah, yeah. it even more now. It's just kind of, <laughs> that, that felt a little weird, I guess. Is there anybody yeah. down as bad as Jackson Palmer, though? I, it's a good point. It can't be. All, it's, but it's, I do... He's coping. Well, I respect. Right? Like his whole, like, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Philosophical of course. thing is just pure cope. But what I respect is that everyone knows, I think including him, that if he came back and was like... I'm back. I'm going to work on Doge again. Here is my NFT from the old days. He would instantly get millions of dollars. The community would donate it to him. His NFTs would sell well. He could like do whatever. So every day he actively chooses his uh, like self-image and ego and some maybe self-respect or something over those millions of dollars and i respect that yeah he's coping he's down bad he like missed out on billions of dollars and stuff but every day he doesn't come back and cash grab based on his name is a choice everyone knows he could get millions for for nothing everyone knows that and i respect that that's a man who is so is coping so bad he's doubled tripled down on his principles because <laughs> he's like this is the only real way to cope this is all i've got left like, it's a really every night when he goes to bed. <laughs> yeah, is today the day I, I fuck up my principal? Because you know he's talking to his like friends, family. Like I will never do it. I'll never do it. And in his back of his head, he's like, I'm gonna fucking do it one day. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking do it. <laughs> I guess it depends how he's doing overall. That plays a pretty big role. But yeah, yeah. I secretly I, has I, the biggest Doge wallet. 
That would be something. That would definitely. There's a big wallet that's unknown, right? Yeah, like three or four billion, I think. Okay, it's Elon. It's got to be Elon. He. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Do you guys? I assume you guys watched the Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, Kathy Wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about that? I think Kathy's fucking phenomenal. Kobe has a I think mad she's a- crush on Kathy Wood. Ooh. Oh, Kathy. Kathy Wolf. Um, I, I think she's, I think she's amazing, but I don't want to say anything like too crude. Cause like, I would like her to come on the show one day. Uh, I think she's very smart. Um, and I think she came across better than any of the others. It's, um, it, it was quite funny. I thought Elon, uh, just kept talking about Tesla charges for the whole thing. Uh, what did you think? What did you did you watch the whole thing? I, I watched I watched part of it, just just bits and pieces, mainly mainly the Elon segments. I watched a little bit of, the, of what Jack had to say too, and I, I think like I think that Jack I, I like that Jack is is very pro Bitcoin and sees sort of the benefits of it. Um, but I felt like there were some moments like when Elon questioned him. Um, I forget exactly what Elon said now, uh, and then Jack had like a very weak. I can't remember the exact the exact quote now, but basically I, I think that. Jack needs to maybe have a better idea of the ways that Bitcoin can actually be implemented to support some of his views. Um, and I think I think Elon. E- okay, look, Elon is really obsessed with this. Needs to be fifty percent renewable energy for someone whose dad was an emerald miner in South Africa or whatever. <laughs> I don't think dad was mining with with solar, Elon. I, I think I'm pretty sure that wasn't those weren't wind powered emerald mines. Last I checked. So I don't know. I mean, look, I understand wanting to to try and help the environment and, and protect the, the planet and you know go earth and everything but at the same time i, I just think it kind of ends up being substituted for what the discussion should really be about i was going to ask if you were a elon skeptic overall it sounds like maybe you are but uh what are, what are your thoughts on him generally he's a very polarizing figure and i do think that it was kind of funny how many people were huge Elon fans. And then there was one or two tweets. Boom. I hate Elon. He's a scammer. <laughs> he's a scumbag. Never did anything. He's, he's pretty, he's pretty stupid too. And everyone's just getting really <laughs> upset. Stupid too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you guys remember Twitter during the first Elon wave? Yeah, it was, it was all of a sudden. I never knew how many people hate Elon Musk until he said, until he made some of the first tweets. I think the one on, um, uh, the energy tweet, the first energy tweet, I think was when people really, really got upset. And I, I think that the reality is that Elon is a smart, successful guy with a lot of good ideas and a lot of bad ideas. He has a lot of ideas and he doesn't have that much of a filter and he's also not perfect. And so what you're going to have is him having bad takes. And what I thought on some of the Bitcoin stuff, it just it felt not extremely researched. Uh, it felt it felt like maybe he hadn't done kind of enough digging. And, and I think that was the upsetting part to people. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, Jason Les, he's the CEO for Riot Blockchain. He said that they had a sort of a call with him and a bunch of the other big miners, and they basically answered Elon's questions. So they had a council meeting, and Elon called in, and they, he basically just pitched them questions or asked them questions, and they answered everything for however long. And he said Elon seemed really genuinely interested. He wanted to, he wants to know what's going on. He wants to learn about it. He wants to get this information from the experts, but. I think maybe if that had been before the the whole Bitcoin's killing everything in the environment tweets, you know, Bitcoin is the reality is Bitcoin takes up 0.1% of the world's energy supply as it is today. And the exchange for that is you get 
sort of the the basis for you know fundamentally sound money. I talk about this a bunch with my with it's Jason like the other day. Twenty five percent of the uh, environmental news coverage in the world like is <laughs> about Bitcoin ruining the earth. Uh, yeah, I don't like that discrepancy either between like the actual impact versus coverage. Um, I think Elon is incredibly curious, which I really think is fascinating. I think he's extremely bright. Like the dude became like a rocket scientist, built a company that builds rockets, used every penny. He could have gone off and rode out to the sunset from PayPal, used every penny to create a space company that's now like wildly successful, proving it with every launch. So I think that's pretty amazing. But at some point, like, do you stretch yourself a little too thin if you're trying to, you know, create Mars money um, at the same time as you do SpaceX and Tesla and, you know, date Grimes is probably a full-time job. Uh, like, it seems like he's got a lot going on. Um, so I uh, wish sometimes he'd just be a little quieter about crypto. Also, he has these weird moments. Do you guys remember the the pedophile thing with the submarine that was trying to rescue the people? Do you remember that? Yeah, he got in a beef with someone in the submarine uh, uh, rescue plan thing. Well, I forget exactly what it was, but he beefed with one of the officials, right? He, he, he bit one of the divers. Yeah. I think it was yeah. the head guy of the of the operation. Basically, he wanted to send in his submarine that they had made for this rescue mission. And basically, the the cave, the head of cave diving operations there said, this isn't going to work for whatever reason. And they just got into a spat. And then he just tweeted something or said something. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say how I know this, but uh, let's just say like, like this guy is a, basically a pedophile. Like, what are you doing, Elon? You're one of the richest people in the world, and you're you're upset that they won't use your submarine. So you're calling this guy a pedo, and you're oh, I can't, I have no proof, but I know it exists. What the fuck shit is this? It sounds like you sound like the people that voted for Trump and and refused to admit that he lost the election. Like, oh, it's there, guys. Trust me, we've got the data. We just can't share. It. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that was wild. I like. The good thing about Elon is he just seems to bounce back from all this stuff. Like people just kind of forget that those those things happen. He's like yeah. Elon does something weird and they're shocked again. I mean, uh, the funding secured 420 thing for the Tesla price was oh my so God. illegal. <laughs> like, how do you get out of that? <laughs> yeah. I don't but, think he did get out of it, didn't he? Yeah, he no, did. He, didn't. he got like a. He didn't know. He got kind of slap on the wrist or something, right? They were like, well, he yeah. paid. They were like, you need an editor for your Twitter. Someone needs to have a a, a filter on your Twitter, but they don't. He paid $20 million, I think. Wow. Okay, but that's nothing for him. Yeah. I, okay, nothing for him, but slap on the wrist. Uh, I don't know. It's, there, it's was, a- there was talk at the time that, like, so much of his net worth was essentially leveraged to the price of Tesla's stock that he needed the price to go up, like, badly because <laughs> of the, his leverage situation. And, like, I think he was probably a little closer to, like, total wreckage than... You know, Look, you should just probably throw some allegedly's in there because if Elon, <laughs> you know what he's like. Allegedly, allegedly. If he's getting close to those liquidation ratios. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so you mentioned a second ago about the, uh, you did like some challenge or some shit. I don't know anything about this because I'm not very cultured um, and I only spend time looking at the East BTC chart. Uh, so can you tell me what this challenge was? Like, did you beat someone up? All right, so uh, my poker career it has been really focused in, on one-on-one poker. Um, so that's always been my specialty. That's kind of what I came up came up in the streets with. That's where I started my my journey and you know how I got to the top, basically in poker. 
So that's always been my been my real forte. And I've had an opponent really on social media and, and just kind of general beefs for the last most of four or five years. And I basically challenged him to play me in that format, knowing that he would not win, basically. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not – I look, like, you can argue if – I'm sure he thinks that he was closer to – he knows he was an underdog. We would argue about how much of an underdog he was. But basically, he knew he was an underdog. I think he was a major underdog. and he just, So I thought he would just say no because he would be taking away the worst of it. Uh, and he would probably lose a million dollars. And so I, and he just said yes, which was pretty <laughs> shocking. It was actually kind of a bluff because I don't like playing poker that much anymore. And so I just figured he would say no, but you know, you get the brownie points for being willing to do it. And he said, yes. So, so uh, we, I mean, I spent a few months preparing and then launched into a, a challenge. It was a $40,000 buy-in. So buy-in for 40K. Anytime you go below 40, you bring it back up to 40. So if you lose 40,000, you have to rebuy for 40,000. It went on for, I think about three months and I ended up winning 1.2 million. So it was a, uh, uh, on the table, and there were some side bets as well. But yeah, it's uh, wait. So you just took one point two million dollars from your rival by doing the thing that you're best at. <laughs> basically, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fair enough. So is this guy is this guy an idiot or no? No, no. He, he, well, he's a reputable poker player generally, right? For sure, he, he's one of the biggest names, and he's. Uh, I, funny enough, we're, we're kind of we're kind of friends now because what. <laughs> Look, once he said, I'll play you, I couldn't have animosity anymore. This guy is taking way the worst of it. You know what I'm saying? He, he, realistically, I, I felt like he was giving up a million in equity to me. You know, that's how I felt about it or more. And Look, I might. I, I think he's the winner. He's the winner. He just paid $1.2 million for a new friend and for all the abuse to go away. <laughs> he was like, ah, $1.2 million, that's not a lot, and it'll, it'll stop him abusing me online, so let's get on with it. Fuck it. And, and it kind of worked. I, I feel too bad to even say anything anymore. I, I just, I, well, what am I going to do? Insult the guy after winning it? It just, it just feels... It doesn't feel... You know what I'm saying? It feels like punching down, kind of. He agreed to play in my game. You certainly had money to win in that situation, but reputationally, it would have sucked for you to actually lose the heads-up tournament. Oh, oh, it would have been... It would have been some career-ending shit that's if I like, had lost that. It's like if me and Kobe yeah. did a trading challenge and I, I beat Kobe in the trading challenge. Like, it would be devastating for Kobe's reputation, right? Yeah, probably, but only because it's you. I'm like, well, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so out of the game that if it was like basically anyone else, it'd be like fine. But um, me, being being by you would be yeah, that would be that would be bad. Is your trading uh, particularly bad? According to Kobe, I'm one of Kobe's favorite contraindicators. So I, I just think that you've made some like historically, like anthropologically relevant bad <laughs> trades. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> not like necessarily. Yeah, like not necessarily every single trade that you make is bad and you're always wrong. More like you've made some trades that were so bad they're like should be on Wikipedia. <laughs> Can I get some examples of these trades? I, I, I feel like I have to know what these are. Uh, I mean, I mean, your synthetics one is like quite bad. Um, yeah, you like a sold one. a, you sold. He basically sold a bunch of stuff like right before it went like a thousand X in a year. Um, but sometimes he just does like this going long now and then it immediately goes <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But I, like it, on balance, you're like you're pretty good. You have your moments. You you go on your streaks and like you know you you do all right. But there is the odd occasion where you have just a, a hilariously bad trade, and like I, I think that's funny. I think that I'm still not sure if they're fake and you're larping as <laughs> bad trades for entertainment purposes, kind of like KSI is. Um, but uh, who knows? I think like on balance, you you do quite well. Um, but there's a few that is just funny to mention. Let, let me let me ask you this question. So, I am of the belief that the vast, vast, vast majority of traders are clicking buttons, and essentially, if enough people all play, some will win. And their methods that have worked are really results oriented. In that, because these worked, I know they work. When that's not necessarily true, it just has been historically true. And so I think that the real money that's made in trading in crypto is by people that know when whales are going to make movements. And realistically, if you're just some random retail guy who's trying to trade and, you d- and you're not privy to this kind of information, you're just going to get swallowed up by the opposite position when people that actually do know things decide to bet against you. What do you think about that stance? Well, Kobe's one of those whales. No, I mean, I, I think it's right. Like, so trading has got sequentially harder over the last... Trading crypto has got much, much harder over the last 10 years or so because at the beginning, it was just a bunch of people who, you know, stumbled across this thing and it wasn't super sophisticated. And even if you were sophisticated, you had to take on so much counterparty risk um, and the tools were not there um, for you to actually trade the way you want to trade. Like the exchange is lagging. You don't have like the t- order types that you need and like the charts don't update and stuff. So it was basically a load of retail traders and there wasn't much margin either. So um, it like it was it was pretty easy. The markets were really inefficient. And as um, like professional participants have moved into the space over the last decade. It's got more and more difficult, I think, um, unless you uh, like, unless you change the way you trade or change what you're trading. And um, I think, like, I, I don't think like there's people like High Stakes Capital and Three Arrows and CMS and shit who um, like are very profitable. They're on all the leaderboards and on the exchanges and shit. And I can't do what they do because I, I, I didn't bother to learn along the way. And people like participants have come in who have professional trading experience and obviously they're going to clean up and, and do better. Um, instead, I the edge that I um, like formed was like knowing about crypto, knowing how crypto works and learning, them, um, you know, what's relevant and what's going to be useful in the future. So I just switched from trading to investing over time because I had a good trading run. I did all right um, and decided not to play anymore. And I think that's what most traders should do. (laughs) Uh, I really respect the career traders that can just do it forever because they like, they love it or whatever. I'm definitely not that kind of person. Um, But I I definitely think like if you're starting today, trying to trade like perps, uh, on like Bitcoin USD, you're just going to get smoked, um, uh, especially if you're using some kind of leverage. Um, it, it's just not even worth starting. I'd like go trade on Uniswap or some shit on some like a liquid shirt. I think you've got a much larger chance of winning um, by doing something like that. Um, but it, it is definitely significantly harder like when all the uh, professional participants came into to play. Fortunately, with we're in an asset class where every few years it just goes a straight line upwards for a year. And- 
that's not too difficult to trade when it just goes up in a straight line like constantly without a single red candle for a year and a half that's quite easy to trade you just long support with a stop loss just below every single fucking time um but uh uh yeah when you get into these like crab chop shit you just see everyone losing half their balance in sideways and it's pretty brutal it is nice when things go up only yeah yeah perfect what better market condition i think there's different types of ways to look at traders like uh Kobe, you just rubbed us. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. There he is. Nah, silly. I was just picking some shit up. Oh, okay. Um, there's like people like Sam Bankman-Fried who I think was he Kobe was he the one that just like arbed the kimchi premium for like a year straight, 2017, uh, just constantly made money on arbitrage, uh, even being relatively delta neutral, like not taking a position, he was able to make tons and tons of money. So some people that just bring a scientific method to what they're doing. They're, maybe they're a quant or maybe they're doing arbitrage strategies or market making or things like that. And I don't even – those are that's trading, but that's more like market participants in a professional manner that know how to just like take a lot of cream off the top of an inefficient market like crypto. And then there's other types of traders like they make really good longer-term macro calls like – they think Ethereum is going to go insane, and they hold it from under a dollar for a pre, you know the the public sale, whatever that was called back in 2015, and they're like they hold it to a thousand, and now they're retired forever. Um, yeah, that's just investing, though. That's just investing. That's not trading. Yeah, but that's not easy to do either. You know, like to have diamond hands through all of that, um, and that goes from like if you put ten thousand dollars in that, you turn it into a hundred thousand or even a million. That's cool, but you. T- turn that into uh you know 10 million or or more like that's real real money you know and like that takes a lot of dedication to the fundamentals and to like really be there for the long haul so to be honest for me i i always viewed it as a as a diversification play so i wasn't i'm buying a ton of this early and holding it for forever i just tried to have a rough percentage of my net worth in these assets and it was typically my biggest play uh and so during ups upturns i generally sold during downturns i typically bought and and so i I didn't get the fuck you i am insanely loaded for the rest of my life money that i could have had based on the numbers of things that i had (laughs) early on right um but but for me it was just way more important basically I, i knew based on my income and investing strategy that i would always be at least pretty well off um and it's more important to just always have a good life than get the iterations where I become a billionaire or whatever. I'm okay not having those. Um, But as long as I don't get the iterations where I I can't have Tesla stock drop below 280 or shit's going to hit the fan. (laughs) I I don't want to live that life, you know? Yeah. I've got kind of a similar setup where like if crypto goes to zero, my net worth will not go to zero, right? Like I will stop out, be in cash, be on the sidelines, take some kind of drawdown because I'm heavily invested in crypto, but I'm not going down with any ship. Um, And similarly can take profit and i make more like swing trades like i i want to be bitcoin heavy at a certain time or i want to i think altcoins can do well for a little while and that's like when uh kobe makes fun of me is usually when i get too narrow on the time frame and it's like this four hour chart is gonna break up and bitcoin's going to 44k guaranteed and then it instantly goes to 36 or something you know uh so like that's that's the ones where i can get made fun of but on the whole i think Somebody like me, like can I, I plan on protecting overall capital 
So that allows me to survive. Uh, and a lot of traders, they don't do that. Like they buy when it's the worst time to buy. It's like 20K in 2017. And then they capitulate uh, at 3K. You know, they're like, screw this. I'm done with this. Never coming back to crypto. And that's how they get wrecked. Or they so get bored. only way you lose. Yeah. Or they get bored in 2018 and like margin trade their whole stack, whatever's left of it. And then they die on that. Uh, there's a lot of ways to die, but if you survive, the industry's grown a lot, so that you, you've probably been able to do okay if you've if you've survived. I've had several I could go down with a ship moments where my like allocations like I could go down with the ship now, <laughs> like I could go down with the ship. And sometimes you like sometimes you could go down with a ship and you're down enough already that closing is kind of already going down with the ship. So it's like. What difference does it make now? Let's <laughs> just fucking leave it. <laughs> yeah, it depends on uh, what percentage of your portfolio you're doing that with, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I haven't done it recently, but, like, back in the day, um, back in the day, I could have gone down with the ship several times. It just happened that back in the day, the prices were very cheap compared to now, uh, which was a fortunate luck, um, I guess. Um, do you think the reason a bunch of um, people from the poker world have ended up in crypto is because of this banking the unbanked poker players stuff? Or <laughs> do you think there is um, just some parallel between, uh, you know, like maths, probability, risk tolerance, um, like having liquid wealth and this kind of shit? It's a good mix of everything, I would say. I do think that poker players are more likely to say to themselves, oh, this is a chance to get an edge. I'm going to take it. And they're not going to be as worried about, well, what if I lose? Because they've been spent their whole lives losing. They're very familiar with losing. It happens a lot. Professional losers. If you're a bad loser, poker is not for you. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's not. Because you're even if you're really good, you're going to lose, depending on the format, somewhere between... 45 and 80 percent of the time when you play when you play a tournament like the one we had today right 15 spots paid there were 200 people 185 people lost yeah okay think about that 93 percent of people lost or something today that's that's going to be tough to stomach as a professional every day if you if you have a hard time with losing so uh i think risk tolerance is a huge factor and then i also think Opportunity. I think a lot of poker players uh, early on in poker, the games are very easy because people hadn't figured out kind of the right way to play yet. And I think a lot of people that came along poker more in the 2013-14 onward era, they feel a little bit like, oh man, I missed the the boom. I missed that opportunity. I missed that wave that I could have really made a lot of money. And I think when a lot of those people saw sort of what was happening in this space, they thought, oh, this is kind of like that. It's, it's sort of like that same opportunity that I could I can capitalize on. So I think there's some of that. I think there's some of the flexibility aspects. I'm sure there's some of the keeping your money off the grid aspects. I think there's a lot of different reasons. But yeah, the poker community is deep in the crypto streets. Absolutely. So you're saying because I got into poker 2000 to 2006 but i didn't actually go deep i really rugged myself (laughs) you rugged yourself yes yeah that was the time to get involved you were you were you basically you basically bought bitcoin at five dollars and it and it it dropped i made it dropped to three dollars it dropped to three and you said not my thing Yeah, that is the, that is the legislative story. To be fair, it is, it is. that's like my life arc. Doug, do you know the? Uh, there was like one of those Duke crews that played a bunch of World Series of poker tournaments back then. Um, one of my friends that I played a local game, and they went and played with all these guys that were 
from Duke and played in a bunch of World Series events. And hmm. um, yeah, apparently, like our little group, they were decent enough at poker to have been able to like dig deeper and actually become good. Um, oh, but I just didn't. I didn't dig in well enough. Um, uh, was one of them named Genius? I'm not gonna remember. Genius twenty eight. Uh, I can't remember that guy. That guy's real old school. I think he went to do. He won't remember because he just made that story up. So I didn't like, make it up. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna dox my friend, but um, Ryan, can I ask you something? Yeah, is is, is Kobe is Kobe mean to you? Yeah, a lot. I get, I get, this, like, on you? this is cyberbullying, uh, <laughs> visible to all. This happens on a on a regular basis. Did y'all see the karate the karate Olympic uh, girl that like was getting ready to do her match, and her coach just went up to her and like shook her like this, and then slapped her on both cheeks. That's like what Kobe oh, does yeah, to the, me every every the, episode. The German girl. When we were doing the episode with Light, Light was abusing me. He was sending me messages like, "You can't say this thing." But hold on, I'll read them. He'll get pissed off at me for reading them. Um, where is it? Light. People troll light a lot, right? It seems that no, way. No, no. He, like, called the... I mean, he... We had permables at 60K all on the show. It was, like, Big Brain Crypto Club is what we called it. Suzu and all these, like, super smart. Everyone was bullish. Light was bearish, and he was obliterated. He'd had, like, a fifth of <laughs> bourbon or something. Uh, and he was hyper bearish. He was like, Coinbase is going to be the top, you know? <laughs> like, just, like... <laughs> sloshing everything and, and uh, then that the Coinbase listing was the top <laughs> and like everybody was like bring light back bring light back we were down 50% and he came back on and he marked the bottom uh, he was so, so bearish though I, I literally is, I was tweeting during the show this has got to be the bottom <laughs> like just from a pure <laughs> sentiment perspective he uh he he was super bearish at the bottom but he messaged me saying um, I'm currently drunk. It was after the uh, after the episode. I'm currently drunk, but why do you dunk on Ledger? You always pick on him. It's very lame. The thing you say about him and synthetics is very poor form. I'm not telling you how to run your life. I'm just saying he's your friend, and he doesn't like it. Do you know what I'm saying? No one likes to get cut down by the people they respect. <laughs> this is his drunk rant about the episode afterwards. Uh, I didn't. Know I like. I didn't. Like, I didn't own enough synthetics for it to be like life changing. But I sold it, Doug. For your information, I sold into this 2019 pump on synthetics, and I was like, "Why is an altcoin pumping in 2019? Like that's not a thing that happens in 2019." And I, <laughs> I, I sold it, and worst of all, I convinced my friend who had like. 50 times more than this. <laughs> oh, I no. Him, I convinced him to sell all of his on KuCoin, and it was like rampaging on KuCoin. The buyer of all of our coins was Andreessen Horowitz. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> so it was, it was bad. Now, real bad. I, he's forgiven me since then. So. Uh, oh, well, he has enough money to. Yeah. Oh, not, oh, oh your friend. Sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. I was he's thinking. done very well despite, sorry. despite me also convincing him to sell uh, synthetics. I'm not that familiar with synthetics, but uh, I did do some stuff on Mirror. It's kind of a similar idea, right? Or no? What's synthetics um, doing? Synthetics? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it's like you create... Like synth- synth- Go ahead, Kobe. After you, mate. <laughs> uh, so there are synthetic assets that they're able to create and then have like zero slippage trades for whatever those assets are. So it makes it to where you can trade it but you're essentially trading a pegged version of something and then it's all got some complicated collateralization system uh behind it um regulators okay. don't like it yeah regulators yeah, are not gonna like it it sounds kind of illegal <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't think it's that kosher for the u.s no 
Um, yeah, regulators don't like it. The Uniswap stuff that they they were all like synthetic assets that they blocked from the token front end and stuff. Um, so, Doug, you said you don't like to play poker much anymore. Um, are you just falling out of love? Do you get triggered about times you lost loads of money? What What's the reason that you don't like it? Well, poker has changed a lot over the last four or five years. Basically, computing power and programs that we have have become much stronger. And the skill set required to be good at poker has shifted. I'm sure anyone that's here that follows poker knows I'm going to say because I said it a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. Basically, <laughs> basically, it's it's kind of turned the game from a little more of an art into an exact science that you have to memorize. And while that's a good way to learn the game, right? It's never been better to learn how to play good poker. Never been easier, rather, I should say. It It turns the question from how do I get good to are you going to spend the hours to get good? And are you able to memorize these concepts and do them in real time? And there's, of course, a skill to that. But the reality is the guy that spent 2x the amount of time studying that you have is going to be better than you, all things equal. And I just don't feel like that's really what poker should be all about to me. Is so for sp- me, I yeah. Is that specifically online poker or is in-person poker the same way too? In-person poker is the same as online it's it's the same. It's just there's the added element of now I can see them. Yeah. But versus good people, versus bad people, that's very important because if you can see them, they can be doing very <laughs> silly things. Uh, you know, like in Rounders, you guys ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah how Teddy KGB for Kobe. breaks the Oreo and it, and it's a tell. Yeah, so I mean, people will definitely do that kind of stuff. Uh, but at, at the higher levels, no one's going to be making mistakes like that. So. So, um, so the you know, solver you, stuff is purely based on the math of the game. It's not anything else. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's just based on on game theory, basically math, game theory, all these kinds of things. And when I prepped for my my challenge, I just played the 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 version I was at by the end of that. I was retired for two or three years from that from that format, and and kind of poker. I didn't play that much poker. Where I got to by the end of that, I would have just destroyed the version of me before because the version of me before, back when I was kind of at my peak in 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever, I was, all my strategies were stuff I made up. I thought, oh, that sounds good. I'll do that. You know? Oh, this is cool. Yeah, check this shit out. You know? That was kind of how I played. And the people, and it was very aggressive, right? So people would be like, what the hell is this? And I'd be putting them all in all over the place. Uh, and then, and then now everyone does that because the solvers, have basically the, the programs have basically told you what is correct. And, and there is a bunch that kind of happens different places. So now everyone does that. It's not, it's not, it's not, I don't know. The things that would make you unique and special aren't so special anymore. And, and I think that that a bit did it for me, but it's also, it's also just a long career. You know, I started playing when I was in my late teenage years and I'm 32 now. So a lot of years of playing, I think also played a pretty big role. I'm hearing it got really, it got like you had to put more work in to make money. So well, <laughs> I had to put in yeah. effort. I didn't like that. <laughs> I liked it when I was going, I'm going to do this. And it quite worked. <laughs> it sounds- you make it sound so simple, but yeah, kind of, kind of, you're right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds less like, I don't know, elastic, you know, um, if there's just this rule set for all of it, rather than, you know, you, you face up to somebody and you can do something that's a, out of the, the normal, what you're supposed to do and still win. Um, that makes it more boring. It, it used to be when you played a hand, 
um, a hand went down, two people might argue, you're right or I'm right or whoever's right. Now it's just you both look at it, oh, you were right or I was right. You know, now it's it's not – before it was, no, I'm right, no, I'm right. People, <laughs> that, that Those days are, are, are gone, you know. Yeah, now you just like look at it and you both know who's right. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So if you're if you're retired, you came back for your um your to crush your rival and steal his money. Um, what do you hey, do? Not with your t- <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a kind of theft, wasn't it? If he didn't have a chance, uh, he just opted into it. So he just he he gave you a donation. Um, but um, what do you do with your time otherwise? Like, how do you spend your time? Are you just chilling in the sun? Yeah, I've actually been in the sun a lot lately. I've I've just moved to Austin. Very nice and warm here. I, I was part of the mass migration out yeah. to Texas. To everyone's, <laughs> you know. Actually, I'm more of a local. I've been here for three months. Uh, <laughs> Were you out in here? Vegas you know, before or uh, or or the more typical like California to Austin mi- migration. I, I was in Vegas. Okay. Uh, I, I like Vegas a lot. I just wanted something a little better for long term. I'll probably start a family in the near future and stuff. And I wanted something a little less strippery. I don't know what the word would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is like the strip or strippery like, strippery yeah. <laughs> uh, the it's been funny to be with Austin it's like everybody from anywhere else is like yeah the only place you can move if you're going to leave a coastal city or like one of these you know big cities in the US is you just have to go to Austin they're just turning it into another one of those big cities it's like there's quite a few places in the south that are decent like if you're there for the taxes you could also move to like nashville or something you know like that's not a bad place or uh but so many people are moving to austin they're going to run into all the same problems all the things they didn't like about their peers (laughs) in california or in nevada they're going to run into the same thing in texas it's funny you bring up nashville because i i actually have a buddy that's moving there and he was trying to convince me to join him right he said dude it's going to be sweet Here's what we do. We're gonna go to. We're gonna start looking in Nashville, and there's one area of really nice houses. And whenever a country singer gets their first big paycheck, they buy a nice mansion out there, and they go broke. And so these things are selling way. We got. We got to get out here. He's like showing me these houses. They all have guitars all over the walls. So I'm thinking, yeah, this could be okay. But I, I don't. Know, I just. I, I. I think. I think. So there's a few things I like about Texas. It's very centrally located within the U.S. So you can get to anywhere in a two-ish hour flight, uh, yeah. maybe three at the most. So that's that's really nice. And then I, I also think that the proximity to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, have all these different cities you can go to if you want to. Way more business stuff happening. I get I get the Nashville. I think I think Nashville. Nashville would be in my top three or five if I didn't move to Austin because it's a really good spot. There's not actually a huge long list of cities like that though. There's really not. Yeah, it's, and I don't know which ones don't have, like, income taxes for state, like, for the state itself. Like, maybe North Carolina would be a good one. Mm-hmm. North Carolina has they income tax. Income tax, but if they didn't, they would. that would be a good candidate as well. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you still had your synthetics, you'd be a lot richer. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. See, Doug, you're fitting right in. You know, you know just how to slide into up only. Uh, but, yeah, um, I mean, Austin, I mean, Austin's great. I like I like Austin a lot, but I just I just see Austin, you know, changing a lot over the next ten years as everyone has that same idea. Totally, and and you can feel it getting built up. And I paid way too much for this house, and <laughs> it's gonna. I mean, you know, it's gonna happen. Uh, and I see these slogans in Austin: "Keep Austin weird, man." 
Yeah, bro. Austin, Austin is way past being weird. <laughs> it, it, it is way. You lost that a long. Just take the sign down. It's embarrassing for you, frankly, that you still have that up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a tech. It's a tech hub now, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of it's the direction that, that the city's headed. Yeah, definitely. If you go out and do some weird stuff, I'm, I imagine they're probably not going to be all right with it. Like, if you go out, take loads of drugs, and get naked, they're probably not going to be cool with you being weird in Austin and then they got to take the sign down. If they're not cool with that, sign comes down. They're not, they're not being authentic. Like normal Austin behavior to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe. The food's uh, good. The food's good. Uh, the barbecue is unbelievable. It yeah. blew my mind. Uh, it blew Kobe, my mind. Kobe doesn't actually really know what barbecue is, Doug. Like he thinks that's anything when you put it on a grill, like for a British person. No, a barbecue, a barbecue is a, barbecue. a, a tool. It's a tool. Yeah, he calls it a tool. It's a machine like a group. Like it's a machine. I, I don't think he's ever had brisket, for example, or like Oof. barbecue Oof. ribs. Uh, so when I bring him to, Al- I live in Alabama. When I bring him to Alabama, like I'm gonna have to introduce him to proper barbecue, and then he's just gonna like enter some kind of comatose state, and uh, <laughs> the show will be over. <laughs> Bama has Bama has some nice spicier barbecues that that can be good. Yeah, 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 a nice the, kick uh, to it. Yeah. That Bama heat. Yeah, you can get some uh, some spicy stuff, but the Alabama white sauce is that's the way to go. Like if you really want something something. Fun. I've had some of that before. Yeah, I'll hit, you, I'll hit you up with some some places uh, or some styles off air, not to like docks. Sounds good. Micro location, just too much, you know. <laughs> sounds sounds good. You wouldn't want people. You, you have it. You have it. No, I mean, no, no. We do the same joke. We do the same joke. You gotta do it. You. Gotta. <laughs> No. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't want anyone to drive 700 miles out there to get you so i i, I understand <laughs> yeah. ledger's biggest fear is like getting barbecue and there's someone looking at him like he's like does he know i'm ledger does he know i'm ledger stars from off only tv i got recognized in a restaurant in birmingham like two weeks ago it was very weird. Oh, wow yeah and then another one uh my brother's co-worker my brother had texted my co uh his co-worker and his co-worker was at a jewelry store the guy working at the jewelry store saw my last name on the text message which is my brother's last name it's like is that person related to a guy in crypto and it was and he was like what yes yes that's crazy man yeah so it's weird we got a following up only up only gets out there yeah kobe's kobe would be uh recognized in many places in the in the u.s i'm certain it, of it. it yeah in the uk it doesn't never happen to me you've been recognized two yeah, times more than me L- with your you two live, times ever you live in london like everybody's more famous than you <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone on the streets there, there has been as like, famous as you you're like you're nothing special there i'm in alabama yeah my my neighbor works in putin's government just like directly in but he lives he lives in london he lives in london um yeah, fair enough. Would you, if you were going somewhere else in uh, the US, Ledger, where would you go if you weren't going to live in Alabama? Well, just anything less humid and uh, better better seasons, like four actual seasons. Um, right, pick a place. I like, I love Don't. San Diego. I mean, San Diego does not have four seasons, but the humidity and temperature is great. Uh, so, love San Diego. Uh, parts of Kentucky are really nice, actually. Um, North Carolina, Virginia. I, I lived in North Carolina for a while, by the way. Yeah. I lived like there it? for like four or five years. Uh, I w- it was high school into college. So it wasn't, I mean. I really. Actually, actually, you know what? No. Like, I think I can say <laughs> no. I, I was trying to be nice. I don't know what am I doing this for. I don't have to protect North Carolina. I think North Carolina will be just, just fine without me. I would me. like to move somewhere where I can finally adopt an NFL team. 
because like in the in Alabama, you're just a college football fan. Like there's no like you're you know there's New Orleans. There's Are you Atlanta, Auburn or Alabama? Auburn. Uh, so, yeah, I went to Auburn. Um, so okay, all, nice. you know, okay. I, I I know how to play the underdog role well on Up Only TV. Um, Kobe still I, I actually means as I went to the Auburn title game versus FSU that they lost. Yeah, I was there too. We were both there. Oh, we're there. It was depressing. In, 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 in LA. Yeah, yeah. The one with Cam yeah. And, uh, oh, it's funny. Better in 2010. The 2013 one was a heartbreaker. Um, fun, fun game, but a heartbreaker. Um, but yeah, somewhere with an NFL team, I'd love to adopt an actual NFL team. So I'd probably just move somewhere with an NFL team so I could do that. We've derailed when, this conversation fully from crypto, but I'm not sure the audience cares. <laughs> I don't even know if it started there. <laughs> yeah, someone in chat just said, Kobe and Doug should do a collaboration crypto scammer takedown podcast. Oh my God, it would be good. Do you do, I, do, you do scam takedown content? Uh, Kobe, you would right, have so loved 2017 Doug Polk videos. I, I did the first big-ish video that went after the BitConnect guys. What? Uh, yeah. Maybe I've yeah. seen this already then. And and, um, and basically, basically, right after the video, I said, guys, this will fall apart. It is a scam. It's going to come crumbling down. And then just days afterwards, it did. And then I got a bunch of play online. This is the guy who called it. You know, that sick call. <laughs> well, it was a genius call that this Ponzi scheme... <laughs> The moment, by the way, the moment I knew, so I was actually going to wait and make that video when my channel was a bit bigger, but I knew I was on the clock because BitConnect announced their ICO, and I was like, this is it. The ICO has <laughs> got to be the final straw. Uh, Doug, yeah, were you good. in that screenshot of like crypto YouTubers with Bobby and whoever else, like when it went on? Uh, no, those, I wasn't. Like, HBO no. News show? You know what I'm talking about? John Oliver, yeah. Yeah, John Oliver did a whole segment on it and like put all the crypto YouTubers uh, on screen and like that was... Oh, I- such an I was hoping, <laughs> hoping he was going to dunk on me. That would have been amazing, but no. Yeah. He, uh, unfortunately, no. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I, well, I I'm going to go watch some of these. Oh, he yeah, they're on, they're good. He crapped on EOS pretty hard, which was which was actually pretty well done, if I recall correctly. Uh, uh, There's um, so many videos, hard to remember. Do either of you know Coffeezilla? He just did the video series on the Save the Kids token scam. Uh, he's just do I need? Like, are, are these streets? Because what, the problem before was I attacked basically all the scammers and they kind of imploded. And then when the markets crashed, they sort of died out, I felt. Mm. Is there a fresh, frothy group of scammers oh, to, to dunk on? It's is worse this, than it ever was in 2017. Yeah. It's like the bat signal over here to me. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier that you were getting into DeFi. Like, do you know the term like rug pull or something like that? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like the, the ease of launching these tokens, pull, you know, putting liquidity in something and then, you know, pulling the rug out from under it. Um, a little bit of PR, a little bit of marketing, get somebody famous paid to like promote your stuff and like they can just collect ETH through, through a, a rug pull or of, of various types. Um, and if not that, they get hacked or something else, or it's just an NFT cash grab. There's all kinds of ways to do it. You'd have a blast. Let, let, me, let me tell you about Save the Kids token, because I watched the CoffeeZilla video series, and it's very well made. Shout out Coffee, Internet Detective, or whatever he calls himself. Um, uh, but basically, his summary of what happened, please don't sue me, FaZe uh, clan or whatever, um, but his summary of what happened is... A phase member called Phase K uh, and Sam Pepper, the YouTuber dude, Sam Pepper, um, 
were basically creating coins, um, getting their friends and other influencers to like promote them and then just dumping and rugging them. Um, and the last one they did, which got them caught, was called Save the Kids Token, which was a charity token, which was in some way supposed to oh. save the kids. Oh, yeah. that's horrible. Um, oh my I know, God. I know. They launched it immediately, yeah. went to zero in like yeah. one single candle. And there's this like weird, cringy video where they're all like, Save the kids token is going to it's like like pleading for you to invest in this charity token to save the kids. Um Scam Pepper, yeah, Scam Pepper. That's a special place in hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know the Pepper guy was a scammer and he started DMing me at some point and I think he's got a check mark on Twitter or something. So I was like, who the heck is this? And then I looked up some stuff and there were all kinds of uh, there's a lot of smoke at the time. I don't know how much fire there is, but there's there was a lot of smoke. Um, He's fled the US now, apparently. He's fled the US to try and avoid um, the SEC, maybe. Uh, And then then tech lead, that tech lead one's pretty funny. The million token tech lead one, where he's just like constantly like (laughs) saying the price is going to go up. (laughs) His token is called million. Um, Oh. Yeah, and he's like, I will buy a million dollars worth of this token if it's at a dollar or something. So he's basically saying it will never go below a dollar. Um, Yeah. I don't know. There's tons, Just like there's, Tether. Yeah. <laughs> tether, but it goes up. Uh. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I actually I actually don't agree with all the Tether FUD. I don't know me if we're neither. memeing or not. Me neither. Okay. I'm memeing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just, I just, I just had to, It just eats at me, you know? I yeah. see yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking, breaking news. Check out USET. It's not fully blacked. I click fully well, backed. And I click on it, and it's... It's assets are in short term things or, or whatever. It's stuff they could easily liquidate. That's the point. What do you want them to have? 60 billion in just a checking account? Is that what's going to take, guys? Do they have 60 billion in a checking account or it's a scam, basically? Like, look, Unbelievable. At the, look at the banking issues that you've had in your life because of poker or whatever else, like, and, and the crap that they make you jump through. What kind of stuff do you think Tether has to do to get any kind of banking? And like, how many times have they been screwed over one way or the other in the background? And then they blame Tether for saying, like, okay, well, you know, we have to have alternative ways to store this cash that we're we're securing. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a bunch, point. Of, bunch of cra- uh, trash. I think Tether's fine. If, if we're memeing, it's all good. We're on the same page. I just I just yeah. had to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, I like that um, everyone got super uh, freaked out by like the commercial paper or whatever it's called, and then USDC did their reserves, and it was exactly the same like <laughs> structure as though it's like actually the optimal way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Do, do you do, look at any of the flexible stable coins, like what Titan was, and uh, and, and some? I, I didn't get involved in the Titan streets. My, 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 thank you. Yeah, like, thank my mom. Um, um, so, so basically I've just done the relatively conser- conservative stuff, like the, um, convex and the curves and the, I did some early uni V3 stuff when the TVL was low and, and volume was high. And then I think around two or three weeks in, it, it just started to become pretty impossible to make money unless you were really, really sharp with it. And then um, just so, some lighter BSC stuff, and I, I'm just doing. I'm doing some. Some. I'm not doing any crazy wildfire. A little bit of Polygon, you know. I'm just doing some standard stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing anything that's too. Sounds like you're mostly like looking for yield, though, rather than like investing in a baseline token. Well, no, because you just do collateralized loan in the asset you want. So I can just hold whatever assets that I want to hold as much as I'd like to hold them, and then. Just take loans out in stables and convex farm or whatever. Okay, I see. Yeah, that's, so then you I, just that's a, that, you're a yield farmer. 
That's basically sure. what you're doing there, right? Sure. Basically, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in for three months, so yeah, I'm a reg. Whatever. <laughs> Wait, is reg a slang for just like a regular? You always see them there. Yeah. So bad reg is like when you see them at a table, you're like, oh, this is going to be, this is easy. We're good. He's going to take yeah, it. It's an insult. Right. You're a pro and you suck at this is basically what you're saying, you know? <laughs> All right, so gains gains is a bad reg. Gains is bad reg. All right, I like that. I'm going to adopt this to constantly pummel Gainsy on Twitter. Um, if you're uh, in the chat, can you just tweet Gainsy? It's Pepe XPD. Say just say bad reg, please. Um, just tweet directly at him saying bad reg. I'm going to do it as well. Um, oh, you won't know what's happening. Someone in the chat mentioned the Verge thing. You remember the the Pornhub announcement? You guys remember that? No. I remember it, but I like I remember that it happened, and I don't remember much else. Um, oh, the Verge token. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be Dogecoin Dark, didn't it? Yeah. It was a privacy, privacy attempt, right? Yeah. Was that a scam? <laughs> I don't recall this announcement. No, it's still it, around. It was pretty scammy, though. Oh, yeah, I think it was like, it was like <laughs> the, the partnership announcements where it like, doesn't really mean anything, but um, but like, it's still around. People are still trading it. People are still bullish. As they always are. Yeah. Is there anything that you like? Anything else that you like in the DeFi world? Like, since you've been digging in, stuff that you think is interesting. Here's my take on on just DeFi in general. I think that there's obviously two mechanics to DeFi. There is the standard structure of loans or or swap fees or things like that that are actual things that have value and are real. And then you have the bullshit rewards farming. I think the bullshit rewards farming, I don't see that lasting a super long period of time. Now, I don't like being the guy to say the music's going to stop because it, it can really go on for a lot longer than you would think. But in in 2030 or 2025, do you see it? Oh, I'm getting these killer rewards in this, in this 1900th pancake clone or curve fork or whatever whatever i'm looking at i don't think that's going to be really a thing and i think that the only thing that props these things up is the fact that people are continuing to farm so i think that long run i think DeFi does have a place i think that traditional finance will step in and get a lot of those yields anyway and it'll be more about the traditional loan mechanic or swap mechanic, the fee and the swap. And it's going to move away from being about these bullshit tokens that, I mean, let's be real. No one fucking needs cake. I say that farming cake. I'm farming cake. I, you know, <laughs> no one needs cake. Yeah, that's another one I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, gotta... I, d- I do think it's right that the yield eventually comes back down to like someone is borrowing and... Um... Uh, someone is loaning and the uh, like open market dictates whatever that interest rate um, should be and that the token emissions are often bootstrapping a growth mechanism for a protocol in an unsustainable way in order to um, incentivize some uh, network effect or good behavior that a protocol needs to operate well but um, obviously they don't want to give away equity forever um, and it is unsustainable to do so um, so I do think that's a pretty pretty good take. Um, although the reason people launch tokens is often a mixture of like uh, incentivizing good actors in uh, to make a network work properly, and also just to um, try and generate wealth from nowhere. So I'm probably uh, I'm not going to take the bet that people are going to stop trying to generate wealth from nowhere. I'm gonna, I like that's probably going to continue until someone stops them um, through law enforcement being stricter or um, 
who knows what else like market participants being smarter perhaps don't you think there'll be a resurgence with like all the ETH layer 2 stuff launching uh, for the people that were hesitant to do BSC and Polygon alright so and again I love how I kicked off this this uh, stream today saying I don't want to pretend to be the expert and now I'm giving my opinion <laughs> on everything oh here's Doug I don't know anything but let me tell you about layer 2 no, so look, I, 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 I feel like with the layer 2 stuff the real reason why it's valuable right now is because ETH is so fucking expensive. And the reality is that when ETH, and I, I know it's a meme, and I, I know they're changing the branding, but ETH 2.0 <laughs> is supposed to be a thing, right? And let's just let's live in the world it's a thing, which I hope it is because I'm staking some ETH 2.0, and if it's not, that would be unfortunate. Um, How are you um, staking your ETH by... Uh... What uh, service are you using to oh, stake your uh, um, <clears throat> Yeah, um, I believe it's called uh, Lido. Is what I'm using. <laughs> oh, you had a chance to make it. <laughs> Look, it'll do. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. Okay, plug's a plug, you know. Uh, but anyway, going back to my point, I wanted to make, which was when ETH transfers, when uh, when these transactions are a lot cheaper. And, and faster and whatever else is supposed to happen when we get this upgrade. Are people still rushing to send their money over the Polygon bridge? I don't think so. And and I that makes me feel like while this is something that is in the short term very, very valuable, in the long term it's not. Now, on the other hand, I had a very principled stance on that on Polygon specifically, which was I'm going to farm on Polygon, but I'm never going to own Matic because that doesn't make sense. I think I even tweeted that. Horrible take. Matic immediately <laughs> skyrocketed. I've been sitting there on Polygon complimenting Matic and just watching it go up every single day. It's getting wrecked. Oh, brutal. Brutal watching that. Uh, I think I think when, when you transition to ETH2, when Beacon Chain merge happens, there's not going to be like a notable performance increase uh, in, in sort of transaction throughput, nor will the transactions get materially cheaper. Um so there's not much scaling benefits from it, basically. Um, eventually, when they launch sharding, there's supposed to be um, a scaling benefit, but a scaling that's like maybe three years away or something. Um, and the scaling benefit from uh, proper layer two, because I, I don't like uh, to call Polygon proper layer two, although it is used basically as a layer two at the moment. Um, proper layer two, like optimistic rollups or ZK rollups, have a superior scaling benefit to sharding, but the benefit of them both is multiplicative, such that um, if you get 100x with uh, optimistic uh, or ZK rollups, let's say, and you have uh, 50x um, with, uh, with sharding, those things stack together. Um, so I think we probably will end up in a world where on ETH, um, two, you have a roll-up centric designed approach to scaling, but optimistic roll-ups are probably a stepping stone and ZK roll-ups um, are the like eventual um, long-term solution. So Matter Labs, um, ZK Sync and Starkware and all those things, like they're building uh, like what I imagine the future of ETH scaling to be. But I agree, like long-term bare polygon. <laughs> Uh, but not so much um, long-term bear uh, roll-ups and layer two. I think that uh, is Could must happen that, to scale. Does that assume though that optimistic and and zk roll-ups eventually achieve like full EVM compatibility? 
Optimistic already got it. Optimistic already got it. You're all good. Um, like Arbitrum, you just use the same code. You just plug and play your um, your DAP or whatever. Um, but uh, ZK rollups uh, do not have full EVM compatibility yet. And that is, again, like who knows like when they can achieve that. If they can ever achieve it, I like to be um, optimistic and uh, believe in the human, uh, you know, potential of progress so I like to think that they'll get it one day so um, arbitrum should provide a much better security model than polygon has then for the same basic feature set of well fully polygon unique. you're relying on a like a eight people multi-sig out you with all right. your money on polygon well, that's, that's what i'm saying um, so shouldn't shouldn't optimistic roll-ups like zero matic basically yeah, optimism and, and arbitrum should be quite bearish for uh, Polygon, but the first mover advantage is always like very strong in crypto. So who knows? Um, and like long term zk, like the solution is zk rollups. Um, can you can uh, you actually explain that to me? So I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with zk snarks. Isn't that with Monero? They're they're. Um, but what's yeah, zk so, rollups? So uh, zk rollups is. God, we're gonna get, we're gonna lose everyone. <laughs> like everyone in the we're in the talking uh, crypto, in the... and now they're gonna disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what this podcast figured, is for. I, I, I might as well learn something here other than make fun of make fun of Ledger. That's the only thing I've got written down right now. Yeah. So um, zk, uh, the tech you're talking about is like from um, was it like invented by Zuku? I don't know the history of it, but I think I it was uh, invented by Zuku or Zuko. In result. Zcash, yeah, <laughs> but he created a down-only tokenomic system, um, and um, they they like they've used similar technology to um, create roll-ups that don't require you to like deposit into this like roll-up pool. Like when you use an optimistic roll-up, you're uh, you basically deposit your Ethereum onto the optimistic roll-up, and when you want to withdraw it, there's a withdrawal period where it's locked for a long time. Whereas um, ZK rollups, it's like basically uses the chain, the Ethereum base chain's uh, security um, for everything apart from data. Okay, um, so it uses the security of layer one. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but uh, like it, it, there's a there's a good post from Vitalik about um, about this where he's he basically says his previous opinion was that it would take um, five years or so from. Uh, uh, like have five years or so of optimistic rollups while people built out zk rollups, but um, zk rollup tech has come on so far that you might just skip optimistic rollups altogether. People should be doubling down on zk, getting zk across the line now. Um, so um, yeah, like we'll we'll see how it plays out. I like if you're looking for investment advice, and I'm not a professional investor, and this is not financial advice, um, but I just go for the shotgun approach. Cause like who the fucking knows what's going to happen? It's all like a little bit too um, uh, too too technical to to really know. You got to talk to Georgios from Paradigm, be like, mate, what's going to happen? Um, but you have like your immutable and your um, a lot of like zk roll up uh, products that are using simplified EVM coverage, so they can do basic simple um, transactions like payments or minting nfts and stuff so immutable x is a, a nft based zk rollup solution um whereas you have your optimistic uh, rollups you've got optimism and arbitrum um which um have full evm compatibility but uh 
probably long-term inferior solutions. And then on ZK rollup side, you've got Starkware, you've got Matalabs um, uh, and, and stuff, which are doing like trying to build proper full EVM um, compatible uh, layer two solutions with ZK technology. And then if, you lo- if you're really deep in crypto Twitter, you'll realize the other day someone did a project called Neon, which is a Solana-based scaling solution for Ethereum where they ported over, um, uh, they've ported, like, basically Solana can execute EVM now. So it makes Solana uh, a scaling solution for Ethereum in a way, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't know enough about it yet. But is that similar to Polygon, basically, in the way that that results? Or is it because they... mm, Or you get, like, layer one... uh, I guess you get the layer one Solana security uh, rather than the Polygon eight people. It relies on it relies on something that I don't understand, and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna try and explain it properly because I'll just butcher it. But um, probably as I have just done with uh, some of my rusty zk rollup knowledge, which I researched like six months ago. But um, like it relies on those bridges between Ethereum and uh, Solana, like wormhole and shit. Um, and I don't know what their trust models and trust assumptions are like um, for a wormhole, but it requires you like bridging the assets um, between Ethereum and uh, Solana. And then, yeah, if they're trustless, then you could, but I don't know if they are. The chat really seems to work. be following along because somebody said, now I want a fruit roll up. Uh, Great. <laughs> level of Z- grasping <laughs> that occurred there. Uh, yeah, I think that Optimistic should have a role, though. Like, all this stuff in Ethereum land, they're like, yeah, this is coming in six months. And then six years later, you're like, yeah, it's coming in six months. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable how uh, it's unbelievable how much like that it is. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But it seems yeah. like Optimistic's truly close, right? Like, they're running stuff already. Uh, Optimism live on mainnet for Uniswap. Yeah. Have you, you not used use, it? You can use Uniswap V3 on Yeah, it's on epic. Optimism. Yeah, I haven't done that. I should. Yeah, it, it's epic. It like it's they like transactions confirm basically instantly. It's like it's super cool. Um like I don't trade too much on Uniswap day to day, so I don't really have much use for it, but I, I had a go to see what it's like. It's like using it's like pretty sci fi, it's awesome. Um but uh yeah. Um all right. So if you've been a bit out of the game, but you used to make uh, this like scammer content, what are the best scams that you've seen um, over the, the history of your life? The, the best scams I've seen? Yeah, yeah. I want to see like so, uh, top 10 scams that you've ever seen or something. Maybe 10. top three, because tens a lot. <laughs> tens a lot. There's, there's a pretty clear number one, and it took the poker world by storm a few years ago. Essentially, this guy had a setup where he would play on streamed poker games and it was not the highest stakes games it was the two five so thousand dollar buy-ins two thousand dollar buy-ins stuff like that and he would have a phone in his lap now we never got at any point actual confirmation of this so i just want to say this is all alleged all right i feel personally it's we'll just say allegedly and (laughs) and basically he also was close friends with people in the back who monitored the whole cards. So basically like today with Jason and you, I'm not saying that <laughs> happened. I'm just saying it could have been right in theory. And over the course of a year and a half, this guy won almost every single time, every single time he played this game and won a quarter million or something in this game off of all these people, just a few hundred dollars at a time. 
And then after a, a period of time of this winning, some people started to get suspicious. This is really weird. And then they started looking at the videos and it went on, it, it, it was a huge story. It, it went on sports center. It was, it was everywhere. It's actually, my, I think my biggest video I've ever made, my most popular video I've ever done, I think. Um, and basically we looked at a bunch of hands he played and how there was just simply no explanation. He would just always make the right decision. Right. And there'd be no logic. And his defense was, I'm just not good. I'm just that good, guys. I just always make that. I'm just, I'm just, he, I'm amazing. I'm just so good at the game. But, but it, it's, his phone. he was, he has all these hands where he plays poker and he's just, oh. what are you doing? <laughs> What's down there? <laughs> let's, let's live in your reality where you're not scamming everybody. Okay. Let's live in that world. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, we got to replay this morning's stream and see what's Kobe doing while we're all like like this. Yeah, and you got to check Jason from Telegram's ETH address and see if it gets sent over, sent over <laughs> to me directly. It goes through Tornado yeah, Cash like, or something. I got to figure out what charity I'm going to send this to. Uh, uh, I I did want Jason to win, and I did say that I believed in him. So that is a little bit suspicious. I do admit that, but it's Jason from Telegram. Like he sees the future. He's one of the greatest traders of all time, and that's why I thought he was going to win. He's got his, you know, he knows his maths, he knows his uh, probabilities, and he's got the edge. He's got the he's got his thing deep in here, heart. the heart of a winner. <laughs> um, and, and that's how you know. Um, although it did go real bearish for a while I didn't like it when it was bearish because uh, when he says stuff I tend to believe him um, so this dude just like rinsed a bunch of fish for half a million and, dollars and regs fish reg everyone got rinsed if you played that game <laughs> you got whacked it was I mean you're playing someone that can actually see you your cards, cards. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah you're not gonna oh I have if another you know, good one I have another good one okay so uh, there was uh, this guy named uh, Joshua Tyler he was a uh, poker player and it was trying to network and get to meet people and stuff he was friends with one of my friends and my buddy said you got to meet this guy okay he invites him over to my house and uh basically he's friendly whatever i go to my office i'm doing something i open my door he's butt naked in my shower okay and 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 just just you just got to get you just have to have some imagery my office is a straight line shot into the master shower and it's glass so i just boom full naked dude just right (laughs) there's no there's shocking right when it's you in your own your own section uh, your own bedroom and uh, i thought okay well he's british so he just probably doesn't know any better Um, (laughs) you know it made sense anyway so that guy installs a trojan on my computer allegedly uh and basically can see my whole cards so um every time that i played a hand he could see my hand and i remember i was playing him i was actually in japan at the time and i'm playing a guy and so in heads up you need to win about half the hands i normally win more than half because i'm more aggressive and i'm good if you're not good you'll win less than half so i'm winning 40 low 40s and i'm thinking something is fucking wrong here there's just no way i'm going to win this low amount of hands he's also making lots of really cool plays or not cool plays, but really accurate plays. I'll spare you the hand that I I saw that it was, I thought this guy has to be cheating me. And I reported him the poker site froze his account and they did a deep investigation. They call me and they say, I think he wanted 40 or 50,000 off me. I said, Doug, we're doing an investigation, but I want you to know in the history of this business, we have given money back five times. We've done this process. I don't even know how many times we have almost never given anyone money back ever 
do not get your hopes up. And then after a month and a half, they say, okay, he cheated you. We're sending you back all the money. <laughs> and I got all my money back. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, that guy actually targeted a bunch of people and he would always go stay at their house and put them in awkward situations. It's just fucked up. Okay, so why did he, why did he get naked? That's just like, like a power play. Scare me out of the room to get to my computer. I really don't know. Maybe he, maybe he's just British. Yeah. These are the things we just don't know. All you right, know, Kobe, you're disinvited from my house. <laughs> <laughs> if this is a British thing, I don't want it. <laughs> I, I, I come over, I'm like showering in your, just in, the, in your bedroom showering, and then the next day your MetaMask is just empty. <laughs> it's like, no, the British naked trick, I fell for it, I was even warned. Classic, classic scam. I told this story to my, one of my friends the other day, and he said, well, look on the bright side, at least he had a reason, at least he had a reason to be in your shower, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Otherwise, you could never explain that. Uh, the chat asked you to talk about Feder Crusa. What was it? Uh, uh, I, I, Feder Cruz. I'm less I'm less familiar with that one. I think it was the GG Poker RTA stuff. I mean, that one is not as not as fun, not as salacious. I no, think. That's okay, that was a good one. That's you know, naked Trojan guy. Wow. I mean, <laughs> who would expect? That? I um I've been talking to uh some uh pre- like TV people who are doing some stuff on uh crypto and um they've been trying to like put something together and they asked me like for some uh like feedback on what they're doing um and I've just realized that I think the poker, com- like the poker world, is actually probably way more interesting. <laughs> you got this weird naked dude. That's never happened to me. I've just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've just been sat at home. Like I, I never even meet the people I participate in the market with. Like I don't beat someone and get to look at their face once I've beat them. Crypto one, like, like I the just whole go documentary about tweets. You know, Twitter feed rolling up. Yeah, it's like hard to represent visually. You can't have like a pile of coins. Yeah, um, did maybe. you do some content on like BCH and BSV stuff? Uh, uh, I didn't do any BSV, but I did some BCH. Yeah, did you have strong opinions back then about the fork? I I kind of got a really weird Roger Ver comp. So basically, Roger, I think he had someone talk to someone who reached out to me, and what they said to me was kind of vague. It was sort of like Roger had maybe sent them, but it was unclear, and the message was sort of. I didn't fully really understand it. And then a few weeks later, Roger did an interview and he said, Oh, that Doug guy, I, I said, he can come, we can, we can come talk this out and he wouldn't do it. Like, what the fuck? I never got any, <laughs> any information to anything. I, I have no idea what you're talking about here. Um, so I, I think with the BCH stuff, I, I just don't like the way that look like the actual scaling solution. At some point, I think you have to move away from bigger blocks, but the debate itself, I think, was kind of reasonable in terms of the way that people wanted to handle that and what they thought the original vision was and if that should matter or not. Those are some good debates. But I just didn't really like the way that I think the BCH side really tried to make themselves look like they were the Bitcoin and and framed the argument. It felt it felt and there was problems on both sides, but it felt less um, honest to me. And I think some of the stuff like the owning the domain uh, bitcoin.com and then the uh, rbtc and uh, or is our bitcoin whichever one they owned i think i forget which one they owned subreddit or uh, started whatever versus bitcoin i don't even know which one's which it it, it just felt too let's confuse people into thinking that we're the real bitcoin and not enough about sort of the 
actual merit of both. But at the same time, I, I understand they were kind of losing the fight and had to make some moves. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely had some jokes about BCH, I'm sure, at some points. And yeah. I was not I was not a fan. People in that community were not fans of my work. But uh, I, at the same time, I do think that they were trying to solve the problem in the way that they thought that made sense. That was interesting because, uh, on one hand, obviously, I think they were unethical. And, you know, you lose the debate, and then you're like, nope, ours is Bitcoin, right? BCH is Bitcoin. That type of argument is lame. Uh, I don't find that ethical. But, on the other hand, Roger had a very clear idea of just how important the network effects of the name Bitcoin uh, were because Bitcoin.com and, you know, being adamant about the fight of going for Bitcoin and not saying like, hey, okay, well, we're going to fork it and make some other coin. He knew the name Bitcoin was the game. Like if you can't win Bitcoin, then you then you lose outright. Um, but I think he just sh- – he failed at essentially conceding defeat. But it seemed like one of the most epic destruction of reputations ever <laughs> in crypto, you know. Roger? Yeah. Like from Bitcoin <laughs> Jesus to Total Outcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. He he decided to firmly plant his feet in that ground. And then there was the "Don't say Bcash" thing. Oh yeah, that was. Did bad. you guys remember that, <laughs> that no interview? Bcash, Bcash, Bcash. Yeah, darn, uh, John Carvalho uh, told him a bunch on an interview. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Speaking of Roger, he just stopped tweeting in the middle of April. All Does right. anyone know if he's all right? No idea. He hasn't tweeted since April twenty sixth. That's quite a while. He used to tweet every day. The like the Bcash community completely I just don't know anything about it anymore. And then like derivative of that is the BSV community, which I really don't know about. And then I heard like BSV had more forks on top of that. So there's like yeah. I don't know what it's called. New new BSV the, even. It's like the the real low of that whole thing was when the Bitcoin app, like the Bitcoin.com app, when you bought Bitcoin, it actually bought Bitcoin cash for you by default. Oof. And it was like just people like thinking they'd bought Bitcoin or sending it to like the wrong address because like they bought Bitcoin cash and sent to their Bitcoin address or vice versa or whatever. And it was like, I, I get that you think you've won the debate or you want to win the debate or whatever. Like, but when you're causing people like financial loss using dark patterns to mislead them and like, it just steps a little bit over the line. It's like, all of a sudden it's not like, this is not cool, dude. Like, just like, give it up now. It's not, it isn't, this isn't good anymore. What I wonder I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened with Roger because yeah, it's very strange he just stopped tweeting. That's that's really weird. It is weird, but I just looked to see if he's liked any tweets from like five hours ago. He oh. liked a B cashy thing because I was like, well, it is weird if he's proper gone. Um, but no, he's still liking stuff. He's just not writing anything himself. Still weird. We don't have McAfee anymore. I know. Yeah, rest in peace. Um. Did any, did any of those like documents ever get released? What the ones that were? What wasn't he going to do like a docs dump? He had like a dead man switch. Oh, I don't know. He uh, someone posted an Instagram or something like the day he died of the letter Q. Uh, it was his own Instagram, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, but that was the only thing I really saw. His yeah. is, his is wild, man. The Netflix documentary about him is something else. Uh, he led a life. Yeah, he he did indeed. Um, 
A wild ride. And also that other dude, I can't pronounce his name, like, uh, he died swimming not long ago. Um, oh, one of the yeah. old OG Bitcoin yeah, they, whales. So there's like the oh. toxic Bitcoin guy that yeah. uh, had incredible amounts of Bitcoin. I can't remember who, what his name was. Yeah, like a million Bitcoin or something. And I remember him, um, I didn't like him very much. I always found him like really hostile and stuff when I read his stuff. But one thing I did remember was his, he published... Um, a list of emails between, I think it was him and the SEC or something. Um, and it was like live publishing, um, uh, like the responses to him yeah. from about his business and stuff. It was pretty I read cool. that thread. That was very good. Like he basically just yeah. uh, twisted the SEC in knots in an email thread, which is epic. <laughs> <laughs> like I imagine that the, I imagine the SEC person was like, like it was 2013 or 12 or something. They were like a junior. They just joined the SEC. They were ready to go, go fight some crime. I'm going to send an email. And then this person's like, and they're like, oh, what the fuck? This is my first assignment. Like, why? And they didn't care at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty wild. Um, all right, Ledger, you got anything else? You want to wrap it up? Yeah, we can wrap it up. There's a, a couple of things I can talk about, but we've, been, we've we've held on to Doug for an hour and 40 minutes here. So do you want to do some alpha or what? Yeah, yeah. So, Doug, we ask all our guests for a similar question. I'm maybe going to make a slight modification um, of, it, uh, of it for you. Um, we normally ask people, like, what is a piece of sort of life advice um, or a, a mantra or, like, Maybe something you read in a book or saw in a film or heard in a song and you find yourself often reflecting on it and applying it um, in in life. You're welcome to answer that question if you have um, you have uh, one of those uh, sort of mantras or something uh, that comes to mind. But I'd, if you'd like to answer an alternative question, um, you've had like sort of a um, an unusual uh, life versus you know the 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 type of um, traditional lives people live with their nine to fives and then um having kids and family and work until their pension and shit um and uh i imagine a bunch of people that are watching the stream um uh you know they're in crypto because they're trying to maybe escape those uh nine to five jobs um trying to find a bit of uh financial relief from uh, uh an oppressive economic regime um and what sort of advice would you give them about doing stuff that is a little bit um less traditional and more left field and uh i guess riskier um than the traditional path of going to university or college, getting your job, knuckling down and trying to get promoted every year? So I think I have an answer that kind of answers both at the same time. And, Perfect. Look at that. And this is something I, that I believe in very strongly, which is in life, you should always bet the biggest on yourself. And the reason is because no one will take what no one will take your money as seriously as you. No one's going to work as hard as you, or at least will be as honest with you. When you're trying to make it, it's hard, right? I, I mean, I remember coming up in poker, it was a struggle. I wasn't one of those guys who was immediately uh, just great and, and crushing out of the game. I, I had to study and try and improve and I wasn't a natural and it took me a long time to, to kind of reach, to reach the higher echelon. But one thing that I always did was I always tried to bet bigger on myself because I knew Win or, win or lose, I would take the time and work as hard as I could to try and make it happen. And I think as far as taking the, you know, the, the less traveled path or the road less traveled by or whatever the saying is, 
there's a there's a there's a funness to that on getting to have all these opportunities and get all these getting to do all these unique things that you wouldn't get to do in a nine to five. I wouldn't be here on this podcast today. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to have the life I've had so far if I was on the traditional path. But there's also a scariness, which is it's tough to know what's the right decision to do. Who do I ask for advice? I remember coming up in life, I, I didn't have any reasonable people to ask for advice. I, it was just, what did I think was the right decision to make? So I think that the most important thing to do is to try and surround yourself with um, you know, smart people who you can get honest feedback from and aren't going to hold your hand. And then when you do get your opportunities that you think are, are good, take them. And whether they, where they pan out or not, at least you'll be happy that you had the faith to back up your beliefs. And when you fail, if you fail, you can learn from them. Nice. Doug, thank you so much. We should tell that 10, 10 years ago. <laughs> I think you're doing, I think you're doing just fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Ledger. Uh, y'all can go to upswingpoker.com. You can go to follow Doug at Doug Pope vids. You can uh, check out Doug's podcast at the Doug Pope podcast. That's where you can find him. That's where he'll be. We appreciate you being here, Doug. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And, uh, of course, don't forget to go to uponly.tv slash FTX. That's the new one. It is definitely not Blockfolio. It's FTX. It is an (laughs) app where you can buy or sell cryptocurrency, swap directly from one asset to the other. You can get 8% interest up to $10,000 of deposits and 5% interest after that. Check it out today at uponly.tv slash FTX, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.